Restaurant Unstoppable episode 538 with Patrick Patterson. I, I think when, you, when you're a part of the community, when you're truly rooted in the community, they support you. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cash flow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Until now, welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. A little smack, a little shake, a little shake and smack. All All right, let's do this with excitement. Allow me to introduce to you today's guest back on the show for a second time. Patrick Patterson. Pat, are you feeling unstoppable uh, I'm today? I'm feeling unstoppable today, people, absolutely. People are looking at us and giving us fun, funny looks right now. Oh, they, that's they great. Away. Yeah, that's great. That's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's our mix master Chase and uh, Slim Fast <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> so originally from Eastern Texas, Patrick Patterson Patterson landed on the steps of the Food Fight Restaurant Group in Madison, Wisconsin, where he quickly rose from part-time bartender to first-time GM and owner. In 2015, Patterson and his family relocated to the New Hampshire seacoast, where Patterson took the title of GM at Block 6, a restaurant at 3S Art Space. That is where the story ended when we last spoke to Patterson. Uh, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 322 to pick up where we left off uh today patterson serves as the gm gm of cornerstone artisanal pizza and craft beer located in portsmouth new hampshire just down the street from where you were before uh so if you're asking yourself why is eric getting a past restaurant tour on a restaurant gm restaurant person on the show it's because i just spent the past summer driving fourteen thousand miles around the country literally and I've never met so many people in such a short period of time, two and a half months, and I've also never felt more alone. And it, <laughs> then I had that 3,000-mile back ride back home from Portland, Oregon, back to New Hampshire, and I had a lot of time to like reflect on like where am I going with this podcast? What do I want, what do I want to do? Uh, and I've learned from so many of my past guests that you know it's really about relationships. It's about building relationships that you already have and going deeper. Uh, and not it's not about how many relationships you have, but it's about the quality of the relationships you have. And that's one of the reasons why I want to go back to past guests to pick up where we left off and to really grow these relationships with, with these melting pot of mentors that I have. So that's the reason why I hope to do more interviews like this as I travel the country and come across uh, folks that have been on the show when I was recording remotely. And uh, let's let's see how it goes. Uh, This is my first one. So uh, it should be interesting. Uh, any questions, Pat? <laughs> no, no questions at all. So, like, uh, we're here just here for a little chat. A little yeah, let's, let's do it. So, like always, uh, let's get the conversation started with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Be kind. Be kind. Dive into that. Why? What do you mean? Uh, it's pretty straightforward, but yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I, I think uh, the one thing we asked from our uh, six-year-old son: uh, what's the most important thing uh, before you start your day, and, and that is uh, to be kind. And I think that that translates to everyone uh doesn't matter what uh, profession you have um whether you're a, a first-time kindergartner or um a gm of a restaurant yeah. um it starts with uh being kind yeah you know and there's been restaurant groups on the show that have restaurant 
uh, titles. Uh, I think it's Be Nice was one of the, it's the 11 Madison Park fast casual uh, concept. And it's that easy and it's that hard, right? But if you can, if you can like boil it down to just the basics, right? At the end of the day, it's really just about being kind, right? Being honest, being kind, being sincere, <laughs> yeah. owning, owning, owning everything that you do. The things uh, you learn in elementary school, right? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> you, you you remember those uh, those uh, uh, when you first started doing writing? You have those like big pages, uh, the the line items for like the, I think it was the uh, um, uh, it's like the you have the big fat pencils. You have the wide ruled uh, lines. I have no idea where I'm going with this. I'm just spinning <laughs> up to my my son's kindergarten class there. So we'll just uh, we'll divert and move on to uh, hospitality. Yeah. So uh, let's bring it back to where we left off when we last spoke to you. Uh, you were the GM at. 3S Art Space, or uh, sorry, not 3, that was the building, but it was Block 6. Block 6, yep. Um, you were doing really cool stuff over there, and the conversation was amazing. Uh, I think that episode was an hour and 48 minutes. I, if you guys are still listening to this and you haven't gone back to episode 322, I encourage you to do it because it, you won't regret it. It was a really great conversation. Um, what was what was going on there? Really t- take us through what the mission of that restaurant was, uh, what you were trying to do, and ultimately what happened over there. You know, I, I, I think uh, you know, going into that space, uh, I really didn't know what exactly our mission was. And so um, there was a little bit of rebranding, um, rebranding without a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I say without a budget, uh, not that we had... Uh, excess cash flow to do whatever we, we chose. Uh, we literally had no money to. You are a nonprofit. We are a nonprofit. Uh, actually, uh, the restaurant was a for profit. Three uh, S Art Space actually owned the restaurant, which is a nonprofit, and the restaurant was a for profit. So, uh, going into it, there was some uh, uh, new things to me that were uh, logistical. So, um, you have a for profit restaurant owned for a nonprofit. Uh, the nonprofit uh, cash flow or uh, yearly budget um, was pretty minimal, um, and I think as uh, most uh, restaurant tours or people who are in this industry understand that um, you can have a successful restaurant with a uh, surplus and be profitable, and you can still have um, you know uh, some several months that uh, you're in the black, and when you're in the black, you still have to pay payroll, you still have to pay your vendors. We say in the you mean in the red? In the uh, I'm sorry, yes. In the okay. red. Yes. Cool. Uh, uh, so you have a negative cash flow. Um, and um, with uh, block six, the, the unfortunate thing is is that uh, every bit of revenue that we took in, um, we were paying payroll, we were paying our vendors. Um, we, in addition to that we had to pay our rent and um, pay we, we, we both operated the bar and Block six, and we both operated the the bar and three S art space. So mm-hmm. their performance space. So um, there was a cut in in sales for the the bar sales in the performance space that we split. Um, so we were purchasing alcohol for um, the uh, performance space, and there was a cut taken out of that. So okay, I just want to paint the picture a little bit more for the, the listeners. If you can imagine a decent sized building uh the back of the building was an art space with a gallery if you will uh separating uh, it was an art space and a concert hall essentially right yep 400, uh, 400 seat with, venue yeah with a with a gallery separating the restaurant and the uh the concert uh area so that's cut to kind of paint the picture and there was a bar in the concert area and you were in charge of operating both the bar and the restaurant that was towards the street facing side of correct the yeah so the restaurant the bar and any on-site uh catering event so we would have i think the largest catering event we had uh was a um i think the the total expenditure on that that they spent was uh it was it was six figures mm-hmm. on that so we would do 300 people um completely custom artwork coming in from Boston, uh, redesigning the space. Uh, so it was pretty extravagant. So is the art space still there? And they still, is 3S still there? Art space is still there. Yes, okay. absolutely. So you have the gallery, you have the, uh, the, perma- the performance arts uh, um, studio, um, which is operated as 3, 3S art space. And then the, the restaurant is uh, no longer block six. It is now Barrio. Okay. Um, so essentially what happened was um, midsummer, um, 2017, 2017, uh, looking at our financials, it came down to, um, I, I understand what it takes to operate a restaurant, um, from the financial standpoint. And I knew that there was, uh, we would never be able to pay our rent, uh, to three S art space who owned us. So, 
um, at that point, um, I essentially went to the board and uh, terminated my position. So uh, I fired myself. Okay. Uh, which is a very uh, interesting and uh, awkward situation. You never think that you're going to fire yourself, right? Yeah. Well, take us through that. Uh, why fire yourself? Were you trying to say, like, what was the strategic, how, what was that, the, why was that the right thing to do from your perspective? Uh, I mean, I'll dive into that a little bit, but ultimately, if something's not going to work, it's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we all have to move on with uh, with our lives and what we're doing, and uh, it's not fair to uh, um, drag along employees, uh, vendors. Uh, vendors are part of our community. Employees are part of our community. Um, I'm part of our community. And so um, when that starts impacting that, then um, I made the decision that um, this wasn't viable. Um, the... Uh, um, most viable option that we had been talking about was um, we we should lease the space so that three uh, S could get their rent. So um, as block six, we were we were never really able to keep up on our on our rent payment. Um, so that just kept building, building, building. And you, our owners, three S, would say, "Hey, you owe us a lot of money." And uh, I'm sitting back there saying, "We're not going to be able to pay you." Um, so, uh, nothing, nothing funny about that, but no, I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. And so, you know, all the revenue, our biggest revenue period, uh, at block six is going to either be, um, catered corporate events or it's going to be revenue from the, uh, performance space. So, um, if we had a big night uh, in the performance space and we took in X amount of money, um, you could coast on that for a while. We, we could, um, we could pay our we could pay our vendors, or maybe could, get your nose a little bit above water, take a little bit of a inhale through your left nostril, and go back under again. We could pay bills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We could pay our bills, but we still couldn't. We, you know, it's picking and choosing. Do we pay rent to our owners, or do we pay our bills and and pay our employees' uh, mm-hmm. wages? And so, first and foremost, you you start with paying your wages, and then what's ever left over. Uh, you pay your vendors, um, and you ensure that you have food coming into the space to repeat it the following week. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm hearing things right and uh, see if we can't take some lessons away from this. Uh, you were working a side-by-side. So uh, Block 6 was owned by 3S. Uh, you were paying rent, but you were still paying rent to 3S at, from as Block 6. Correct. Now... Uh, what you suggest that they do is lease out the space to somebody who is separate from the umbrella, not underneath the blocks or sorry, the three S umbrella. Correct. Okay. Why was that your recommendation to them? So, I mean, it's a pretty easy, uh, easy one to, um, to make. It's, uh, um, if if you know something's not going to work, um, there's no sense in dragging, uh, dragging along, dragging yeah. everybody along. So, um, I, April was a, was a really good month uh, financially. There's a little bit of optimism. Uh, you know, we're governed by a board showing up, um, and then coming into uh, into May, uh, our numbers were down. And then once June June popped up, uh, looking at cash flow, looking at the situation that we were in, um, you know, at that point I was I was it was clear as day that, uh, this concept was just not going to work. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, um, there's museums around the country. There's uh, nonprofits around the country that have galleries and cafes and all that included. Um, and this was my first time being a part of a nonprofit organization that is governed by, or a nonprofit and a for-profit mixed together. And, um, uh, it was a great learning experience. Uh, if I went back into an interview that was uh, a for-profit owned by a nonprofit, I would have a lot more questions. I didn't even know that when I took the job, uh, how the financial funds interchange with one another. So yeah, that was one. I mean, I'm I'm chomping at the bit, sorta, to dive into that. I don't know how long of an answer that's going to be. No, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty straightforward one. So you have. Um, so real quick, let's get Ariel. Uh, so uh, block, sorry, three uh, S stands for three spaces. Three spaces was an art space or is an art space to this day. Performing art space, which gallery, is nonprofit. Yeah, it's a nonprofit. In the restaurant is a for profit. Was for profit. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So, uh, what do we need to know? So, about that I, I, I think uh, the the big the big element to that is is that uh, 
donor money can't go back and forth. So people who are donating money to a nonprofit, um, when it, you know, if you part of why Block Six didn't work is is that we can't move funds from donor money to a for profit because they're donating they're donating to a nonprofit. Yeah, and so um, you know, I, I don't know the, the legality of the the that, uh, but I know from a just a. Um, moral compass, and yeah. if people are donating money can, to a nonprofit, then I don't know the legalities either. But who wants to find out the hard way, right? Exactly. So, from a moral legality standpoint, you're hemorrhaging, you're hemorrhaging money. I don't want to make assumptions at block six, and you can't with the money that maybe might have surplus, or the company that might have surplus, 3s can't do anything about it because of legalities. Correct. So, I mean, so take it at this. So, say we're just able to pay our our, our labor. Maybe, Maybe that wasn't the right word to use. Did I so, offend you when no, I said that? No, okay. no, 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 no. So, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not an attorney, and and, yeah. I, and I have no uh, uh, vast understanding of a nonprofit. Uh, but what I do know is that if we're able to make our payroll, able able to pay our vendors, and replicate that every month and not lose money, and we're able to sustain that, then if we're breaking even, then we are kind of an added uh, bonus to the nonprofit space, right? So. Um, we're adding a um, we're an appeal factor, so we're part of those three spaces: performing arts space, a gallery, and a restaurant that is um, chef forward, um, involved in the community, um, willing to do art- artistic things with our food. Um, but if we can't pay our rent to our owner, which is 3S Art Space, then they're also losing out on their financial end, which affects their budgeting for the year. Um, and so, um, if 3S gets a million dollar donation and says, you know, hey, Jack says, here's a check for a million dollars, um, they're still not going to be able to give us any of that money um, if we have a bad month. And even in a profitable business, profitable restaurant, you have two bad months of the year that are slow. You have ownership that is willing to. Uh, do cash calls so they're willing to cut a check to cover payroll cover expenses cover um, if you have an oven break whatever it may be um, you have ownership that is stepping to the plate to write that check and so if if ownership is 100% supplied by grants that are specific to a certain thing and donations then it's uh, it's nearly impossible for um, that nonprofit to step to the plate and um, write a check for to cover payroll or okay. what most ownership. I think, I think we get it. I think yeah. it, that makes sense. Um, so earlier I asked you why you fired yourself and why you thought that was the best approach in this, this situation. Do you still think that was the best approach to fire yourself? Was that awkward? Like how did that go down? Yeah, it's great. Uh, so you, <laughs> you walk into a, into a board meeting and you have, uh, you know, 20 people there and, uh, um, and it was a pretty frank conversation. You know, I looked at the financials going into it and it was, uh, we had one fantastic month uh, previous, and then uh, we had two pretty uh, hard months and looked at cash flow and uh, realized that uh, we could probably cover payroll and, um, you know, we could probably stretch some vendors along. And um, we we couldn't rebrand, and that's really what we needed to do to make that place successful. So we were block six. People in their mind knew we were block six. Um, our menu... Our chef, our whole philosophy on food changed when we made um, when we uh, when the, the the original chef left us, and so we wanted it to be more approachable, uh, more of a community staple. We launched brunch, highly successful on Saturday and Sunday brunch, our busiest meal periods of the week. Um, bottomless mimosas, we'd fill the bar, um, uh, we'd pack the place, mm-hmm. and so the style of food that we were serving was approachable. It was nothing. Uh, Nothing fancy, nothing frou-frou, and people came for it. And then um, uh, what we really needed to do is we needed to lose that block six um, uh, status, right? We, we, we didn't need to be block six anymore. We needed to rebrand, um, whether it's going to be uh, visually new signs, um, a new logo. Um, we had a new menu. And so we couldn't afford to completely 100% rebrand. Okay. So, yeah. I think there's some lessons in here. Hindsight being 2020, being able to look at back at this time, you launched with a certain brand that was supposed to, that was from what I can gather was intended to be artistic. 
Correct. Uh, why didn't that like take us through what happened with the rebrand? Was it, were you guys slow to change? Was there pride in the way? Like what was going on there? You know, I, I think in the beginning, like uh, there was probably a little bit of opposition um, with uh, the original people that started 3S Art Space. Um, but for the most part, with the the new executive director that came on, super um, supportive of making that change. We just couldn't afford to do, to do it from a branding perspective. Uh, it was it was um, it was really it was really hard. Um, and uh, so the the key to it was is once we understood that once I understood that there was absolutely no way that we could make this work. Um, you walk into this group and you say, hey. Um, if you guys want to be successful, if you guys want to sustain your end, um, you need to find somebody to lease the space and um, charge rent, and you're guaranteed that monthly rent. And so, you're not only are you guaranteed that monthly rent, you're gonna you're gonna attain a hundred percent of the performance space revenue. So you get the bar revenue from the performance space, and you get your monthly rent from whoever's signing that new lease. So let's zoom to 30,000 feet real quick, uh, reflecting back at this time. Um, if you could narrow it down to three things about Block 6 that if you did differently or maybe three lessons, three things as to why that space didn't work, what would they be? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think right away, um, sooner than later, uh, trying to figure out how we were going to rebrand right away. Mm-hmm. Um, Understanding our our demographic and the people who are in our community and um, what people wanted is that two things or one thing? Uh, it's I think kind of one thing, right? Because yeah, part of the rebrand yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is tapping on the target market. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So rebranding. So um, knowing what you know now, that's one thing. We're gonna go actually mention two more things, and then we'll get back to ground level. We'll go d- deeper once we identify those three things. Uh, menu rebranding, having a menu that's approachable, okay. um, uh, affordable. Um, quick, easy. You got a performance space. People are coming there for a show. So if you have, if you have pickup times that are going to take uh, twenty five minutes, thirty minutes, um, people are, people are coming there to sit at the bar for a show, have a couple drinks, have a quick uh, bite to eat, and then go see the show, mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. After the show, come in and have a cocktail and, and grabbing a bite to eat. And um, you know we struggled on that. So that's that, number two. Go to number three, and we'll dissect these three. a little more. Not listening to my wife. <laughs> Not listening to you. All right, let's go. Let's go back to the rebrand. Um, what would you do differently today, knowing what you know? How would you have approached that situation differently? When would you have decided to do the rebrand? Take us through that. So, if I knew everything I knew right now, if I yeah, went there, exactly. If you if you could reach reset time. Man, I honestly probably would not accept a job. Well, let's go after that decision. All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> you can only reset time for to, sure. to a certain point before after you took the job. Um, I, it, it honestly, it comes down to cash flow. If if you don't have the cash to do something, um, cash flow closes places. Mm. Um, you can have uh, you can have an awesome menu. You can have an awesome. You can have people coming in the door, and if you can't control your cash flow. Uh, you can close. So, um, I mean, just to kind of bounce an idea off of you, I think it comes down to cash flow. And when you're a young company, a young restaurant, and you have a lot of overhead, you can't be nimble. You can't adapt. When it's you, your wife, and one employee, you can, you're like as nimble as a jet ski compared to a, a freight ship, right? Yeah, you yeah, can absolutely. jump around. You can adapt to the market. But when you, you have 20, 30 employees, how many employees did you have? Uh, we probably had like 15 to 16 full-time or uh, 15 between, to 16. between full-time and part-time yeah, employees. And you, yeah. you're in a deep, you're a big space. Uh, your brand is tied to another brand. These things make you bigger. They slow you down. You can't adapt. So start small scale into something. I mean, you were a unique operation because you're coming into this. They had a vision and you try to, you had to try to execute. Um, so you're coming in as a medium sized comp or medium sized, small restaurant. Sure. And, th- and that vision got that, that vision got, there's a giant hiccup, uh, you know, a year into that. And so there was a lot of negative, uh, press. There was, uh, the original executive director, um, was relieved of his, his duties. Um, you know, there's a, there's a huge picture to that. And, yeah. uh, there's some like, un, uh, you know, there's some things that I didn't know going into it. Um, now, I think if I remember correctly, you came onto this team because you, when you came to New Hampshire, you were part of another restaurant group yep. that uh, there were cultural issues. Uh, you didn't like the way they treated employees uh, compared to where you had came from, which is food fighters. Uh, 
Food Fighters Club. Call Food Fighters, yeah, Food Fight Restaurant Group. Food Fight Restaurant yep. Group, yep. yeah. Um, which had an incredible culture, and you were proud to be up on that team, but then you moved away from that area, you came out here, and maybe you were spoiled a little bit. I was spoiled, absolutely, <laughs> hands down. So, like, you know, um, and that's been my biggest challenge. Uh, so, moving, moving away from what I would consider a forever job, right? Something that you believe in, yeah. uh, an organization that is uh, just as passionate as you are. There's a, and I mentioned same values. The same values. Um, uh, something that I mentioned uh, in the last episode is a support net. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a huge support group there from HR, marketing, uh, to managing partners, um, people who are there to, um, there's enough tools to make people successful if they really, they're really grinding their gears and want to mm-hmm. do it. And so moving out here, um, it, you know, it's been kind of, uh, difficult to find my, my footing. Um, so the reason why I brought that up is now we're at block six and that steadiness, that structure, that sense of community, that sense of we're all pulling in the same direction. We have our identity. We have our core values. We're doing this was gone. And it's kind of like herding cats at this point where you have a bunch of different people with different opinions, pulling different directions. You know, was that kind of I mean, was that part of it? You know, I, I on a on a daily basis, it, it really wasn't that. Like my daily interactions with my core group of people who called Block Six their home, um, the people who we interacted at on a daily basis, the micro at 3S, level, like the three S itself. But when you went up a layer, you know, when you go it, up another tier, if you go up another tier, uh, the whole organization was run by three people, and that's going to be uh, the executive director, uh, director of operations, and myself. Okay, and so we had no marketing team. Uh, we had uh, it was just the three of us to lead that entire building forward, yeah. and I have zero nonprofit uh, background, um, mm-hmm. and so um, I know how to run restaurants. I know how to read people. Um, I know how to get involved in the community, um, and that still wasn't enough. So I think ultimately, um, the big fault with the restaurant block six uh, was a combination of uh, menu branding, uh, the food that we were putting out there. Um, wasn't hitting a hitting our demographic. Um, we were falling short on that. Okay, I think we can move on to menu right. restriction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the other thing was your menu. Um, people just wanted a quick bite and go to the venue. Yep. Um, and you were doing artistic, slow, beautiful food. Correct. Uh, and you didn't adapt that menu to fit what your people wanted. We waited too late. Okay, so what would you have done differently? Just reacted sooner? Uh, definitely reacted sooner. Okay. Do you think we can move on to the next point there? Yes, and I'll, I'll and I'll add uh, listening to my wife. <laughs> Listen to your wife. So. Had, she added that a couple times. What did she say? Process. What did she say to you? What, what was what was the message from your wife? Uh, you had the wrong menu. <laughs> uh, and that, that's that's the easy way to look at it. The, yeah. the the more complex way to look at it is that it's just not uh, yeah. it's just not my decision. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to um, you coming over here to Cornerstone Pizza and Craft Beer. I wanted to acknowledge you for doing the right thing, for firing yourself uh, to take care of the, the rest of your team. And I realize that's why you did it. At least that's what it sounds like why you did it. So, I mean, we can make an example of you in being selfless in that regard. So just want to tip my hat, sir. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So um, now over here at Cornerstone Pizza and Craft Beer, um, all this new experience under your belt uh, take us through this opportunity, how, how it came across your table, and how you have planned it. What, what's been your plan of attack since? Yeah, you know, it actually uh, stems from. Actually, uh, time out. This is a perfect time to take a break and thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. <laughs> if you listen to Restaurant Unstoppable, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. There are two things that you need to let determine your growth the first thing that's people the second thing that's cash flow and we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because i'm working with cashflowtool.com the ultimate cloud-based solution for your business cashflowtool.com is simple powerful and predictive it's simple because it requires no data entry it's always up to date and it works on any device anywhere it's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar activity feed and anomaly detector you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises and it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow head over to www.cashflowtool.com unstoppable 
unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and you'll receive pro features at the essential features price. All right, I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based RestaurantEthics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you'll get three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there all right we're back and uh the question i asked you was to take it where we left off basically with this new opportunity cornerstone uh pizza in beer craft beer um Cornerstone Pizza and Craft Beer. <laughs> Am I saying it right? You you're are, giving me a funny yeah. look. Okay. Right, you know, we, we around these uh, around these parts, we say Cornerstone West End. Okay, Cornerstone West End. Um, and I forgot to give a nod to the... You poured me a beer when we got started. Uh, what am I drinking? Real Chapel quick? Maine. Chapel Maine. Yes, X, XPA. XPA. It's delicious, by the way. So a nod to those folks for doing good stuff. Um, okay, so how did this opportunity come across your table? Uh, so it actually stems from uh, Block 6. We're okay. going to go back there for <laughs> nice. a brief moment. Um, uh, I, w- I was actually sitting uh, at the bar um, on one of my uh, last shifts in... Um, one of our one of our uh, longtime patrons, uh, Tabitha McElroy, was speaking to a guy named David, and uh, David's brother is Michael. Michael owns Cornerstone, and um, she's like, "You should hire him." <laughs> and I think it's them. They were talking, and he's saying we're opening up a restaurant in Portsmouth, and or his brother was opening up a uh, restaurant in Portsmouth. So we were connected through uh, Michael's brother, and. Um, Originally, we uh, we had talked earlier in the season, and the timing wasn't really uh, viable for me, um, my family, and so um, I actually took a job in Cambridge and uh, was commuting from Portsmouth to Cambridge, leaving uh, leaving my home at four uh, thirty in the morning. Oh, and uh, was it a breakfast restaurant? It was, yes, it was. Uh, it was it was a uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but mostly breakfast. Was it worth going into that that part of your life? Absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's there's a lot to take away from that experience, uh, and uh, be as brief as possible. It wasn't. Like it was you know. It was a combination of the uh, being like I, I was away from home just as long as I am uh, here, and I live seven miles away from here. And it was the commute and the traffic um, is is pretty much what it. It's an hour. To. Both it's ends a, of your day. It's an hour. Both you ends think of your about day. That. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're leaving at uh, at three thirty on a uh, Boston afternoon, and you're uh, Catching the T to the bus to South Station and taking the bus from South Station to see uh, Portsmouth, you're hitting every single peak oh, hour man. traffic. So uh, it, it was it was a long day. So uh, needless to say, I moved on to uh, Cornerstone, connected with Mike Cavaretta, uh, John Cavaretta. I say uh, um, uh, uncle and nephew uh, duo here, um, and uh, we hit it off. And um, I, I think uh, the one thing that Cornerstone has provided me is to uh, use my past experiences and what I've learned, um, uh, things that I've been successful at, things that I've made mistakes at and learned from, and I've been able to bring to the table here. And I, I think that, that that's what stimulates me is, is, is looking at the systems aspect. And um, I think a lot of uh, – I'm coming from a restaurant group that has 30-plus restaurants with uh, – uh, a $45 million um, revenue. And so um, coming to a, a two-restaurant operation, um, 
I'm trying to bring in, um, you know, some some systems that can uh, streamline uh, both at uh, both places. So, what's the other restaurant? I'm curious. It's uh, it's Cornerstone uh, Artisanal Pizza and Craft Beer in Gunkwit, Maine. Oh, okay, so yeah. this is number two or number this one? This is number two. Number two. Yes. Okay, cool. So, um, one thing I just want to point out: uh, the the power of never burning a bridge. Right, like you left one job, you fired yourself, but you, it sounds like you did it gracefully in in a way that was for the best intentions for the team, everybody but you, um, and that created opportunity for you. Do you want to speak Absolutely. to that at all? I mean, I I, I, I see these people, um, board members, um, people who are uh, put a lot of work and effort into making 3s what it was um, around town all the day. Uh, currently, right now. Um, at Cornerstone, we are doing a uh, a, a month long fundraiser in the month of October for uh, a one of our local residents and neighbors, uh, Luke Lyons. Uh, he's a, a young kid that uh, is living with uh, CDLS, uh, um, and uh, this uh, fundraiser has started by just being contacted from a former contact at 3S Art Space, uh, Tabitha McElroy. Um, so what we're able to do is I'm still able to, to tap into the community. I mean, part of being at Cornerstone, um, we require all salaried managers to um, do three community projects uh, a year. And so um, instead of just you know pouring beers and making food and, and um, making money, it's important for us to, to give back to the community that supports us. And I think that um, that separates us from... Um, a lot of the restaurants in this community and uh, across the country. So you have uh, places that uh, are seasonal um, that open up and rake in a bunch of money and uh, close the door during the when the season ends and uh, they repeat that the, ne- the next year. Um, so uh, first and foremost, we're here for the community because the community supports us. Beautiful. Um, so one thing that really stuck with me during the, our first conversation was your emphasis on your people, uh, making it about your people, creating opportunity for your people. Uh, and you were just really, it was a really culture heavy conversation coming into this opportunity, building a team from scratch where you, where you, you were here before the opening day, right? Like you were, yep. so you had to build your team. Yep. Uh, are you full staff now? Are you at firing uh, in all cylinders? I, we're firing in all cylinders. Uh, you know, we have the, the same struggles as any other restaurant in Portsmouth. Um, uh, I think uh, securing uh, long-term back-of-the-house employees is going to always be a, a, um, an issue in this, mm-hmm. in this area. Well, that's um, one of the reasons why I want to bring this up because we're talking, we're having this conversation during a time in the past couple, how many months has um, Cornerstone Corners been yeah, open uh, We opened up the uh, first part of June. Okay. So, about almost right around half a year um, during a time where the economy is really struggling and it's harder than ever to find employees. How did you guys build your team? What, were, what was going through your mind? What was your, what was your approach? What was your uh, strategy in developing this team that you have today with the values that you have? Same strategy that, that I'll carry with me at every restaurant that I'm at or not even restaurant, you know, wherever I land in 10 years, uh, whatever my footprint is, uh, uh, it's about it. Same thing I tell my son and my wife tells my son every day. What's the most important thing is being kind. Mm. Um, and, and through that, um, what I've learned over the years, uh, it's not necessarily what you pay um, financially to the people that you work with. Um, it's, it's how they feel when they're at work. It's the same thing as a guest comes in the restaurant and it's about their experience. It's how they feel when they walk out that door. Um, same thing goes for employees, uh, people that you work with every day. Uh, it's how they feel when they're at work. If they're working in an environment that uh, they're always they're always needing something, people aren't following through. It's always chaotic. Um, they can go work anywhere they want, and they can probably make just as much money, and sometimes if not more. Um, and I, and I think by just promoting autonomy, uh, believing in people, um, empowering people. What do you mean promoting autonomy? How do you promote autonomy? I mean, I, I don't know everything. And so, um, you know, I, I try to put the right systems in place that is going to make a, a daily service here successful. Um, and what I mean by systems is that uh, bartenders come in and they are set up to be successful with, they have the right, uh, they have the right alcohol in hand. They have, uh, they have the wine. They, they know how to open and close their bar. They know how to interact with their guests that they have come in. Um, they pr- 
prime example is I walked by a bottle of wine on Saturday night. Uh, it was a uh, by the bottle only, um, uh, a quite expensive bottle of wine, and it was opened behind the bar, and there was it was it was uh, halfway full. And I'm like, oh, hey. Uh, I love that you're a halfway full kind of guy, like by the Chris, way. Like <laughs> Chris. Uh, so I see you have this bottle opened. Uh, what's going on here? And, and part of promoting autonomy, going above and beyond, is that uh, he felt like he had two guests that um, they weren't able to kind of really pick out what they wanted. And so they, he felt like they kept getting let down, like whether we were out of something. And he was like, you know, they really wanted a Pinot Noir. And uh, we only have Pinot Noir by the bottle. He chose, he made the decision to open it. And I've always promoted that uh, if you make a decision and it's in the best interest of our guests, I'm never going to yell at you or scold you or be like, you know, why the hell did you do this? Yeah. Um, and so I just simply asked a question, why did you do it? And uh, well, he, he threw it back on me. He's like, hey, you always told me to go above and beyond and I'm doing <laughs> yes. it for the guests. Yes. I'm curious. Um, and this whole idea of throwing it back on the, the management or the ownership uh, comes down to you have core values, right? Uh, the sense of autonomy, the sense of doing whatever it takes as long as it's in the best interest of the employees. Do you guys write this down in the handbook anywhere? Is it is it documented anywhere? Yeah, we, we, we definitely we, we have a handbook. Um, so uh, part of that handbook uh, is you know going over the culture of this restaurant, uh, the things that you can do, the things that just aren't going to work, aren't going to fly. Um, but during that training period, uh, we we really emphasize um, through the people who are training. Um, that this is our culture. This is what we stand for. These are examples of what uh, have worked here in the past. Uh, but we're also new, so it's also challenging in the aspect that we haven't been around for five years. And these are all of our service story industry, uh, our our service stories that we've done here that have worked. We're opening up with a brand new crew, and so. Um, what we've done is we've been able to cultivate or record these stories that have worked for us um, in the first four months. And then uh, people who are we're hiring now um, were able to say, hey, this is what we're about. This is what works here. Uh, so our training can be a little bit more uh, refined. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the things too. When you first get started, uh, you have a sense of what your core values are and you're over time developing uh documenting these things that identify who you are. But the point that I'm trying to make is what you just described is the example of an entangled company, is, which is a, a line from Tom Walter's book, It's My Company Too, where the, the goal, what an entangled company is, where there's no hierarchy. Everybody who works on your team is a boss. They're an owner, right? This mentality that these are, this is how we operate. These are the core values and I'm operating within the framework that you provided me so when you come at me and you ask me a question i can say i can say um look like right here core value number three if it's in the best interest of the employee then do it right and that's it's that sense of ownership across the board a sense of autonomy to, to break from the mold to do whatever you have to do to get the job done because you were provided the core values the framework to, to do the job you know i mean absolutely so um if if um if you have somebody that is acting in the best interest of of our guests that are coming in here um and may say maybe they make a decision that you don't agree with necessarily it's a coachable it's a coachable scenario right so um that's that's my mindset on it and uh you just have to communicate with people and uh um for me um you know, it's uh, what's hard about it, opening a new restaurant is that you have you have all the you, you get everyone up and up to speed training, um, and then what you want to do um, necess- doesn't necessarily happen because of the build out, the timing. The, we need to get open. We need to get cash flow coming in. Um, it's a it's a very chaotic uh, time frame. Um, you have people that have been secured maybe since like March, and you're opening it up in June, and so like you're constantly having to um, hold, try to hold on to those, those, those people, uh, you want to keep them. And so, um, we literally had half of our staff hired in uh, the first part of March. We opened June 1st. And so 
Um, and that's just because of the, the construction industry right now going on in Portsmouth. And we so held it's on March, to April, May. How did you hang on? I think this is something that happens often to people where they have the best intentions to open when they say they're, they're going to open. And then lo and behold, you turn over this stone and there's another month delay. Uh, how, do you, how did you approach hanging on to these people uh, for two and a half months? Uh, almost three. Three months. Yeah. Some some people were uh, uh, our our main bartender that we have right now was uh, we hired him in February, um, mid February. So we lost from mid February to uh, opening day. We lost three people, and uh, from back of house to front of house. Wow. And um, it was uh, it was hard uh, mentally. Um, you know, you go back to that being kind, and like there's a lot of like. Um, looking at looking at yourself, you know, asking yourself like, you know, these these people have um, they have they have money they, that they need. They have to pay rent. They have to pay bills. There's a lot going on. Um, what am I going to like? Like, are we dragging them along? Um, and everybody like believed in us, and they believed in the concept. They believed in the space. They saw how beautiful the space was. Um, you know, and I can't stress enough, they believed in, uh, both the owners. Um, uh, there's, you know, Mike Cavaretta, John Cavaretta, um, and, uh, John's, uh, husband, uh, Randy. Um, there are three people that, um, for the first time that I've been on the seacoast, um, that I can actually say, you know what, um, this is as close that I've come to feeling like I'm still part of a food fight. Um, you know, there's, there's some differences, absolutely, um, but we all don't see eye to eye on everything, right? Um, but there's there's a lot of similarities that we've been able to bring to the table that uh, make me feel like I have a good home to be at. Uh, I feel grounded. I believe in what I do. We have a great staff that believes in us, um, and we're building the community around us uh, that, that supports us. So you have the support system. You have this... Uh these values that seem to be echoing amongst the, the ownership and yourself that are, that was able to uh, hang on to these people. Um, anything that you did that specifically, one thing that you did uh, to entice them to hang on a little bit longer, or is it just the, the energy that you guys are putting out there? Uh, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of it was the energy. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, I think, uh, you, you have to sell yourself in a sense, right? And so, and, and that sometimes comes back to where you start feeling guilty a, a little bit too. Um, you know, it's like uh, we're selling something. Uh, I'm selling a little bit of myself and I'm selling a little bit of Cornerstone. And um, my, my management style is the same as it was um, uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm pretty laid back. I'm fair. Um, I, am, I treat everyone like I am... Uh, I don't treat everyone like I'm the boss. I don't actually, I don't believe in the word manager. I believe in leadership. Um, I don't believe in standing up on a high podium and looking down on people saying, this is what you're doing wrong. Yeah. You must, you must change this. Um, like manager, whatever, a manager is the, the person that makes sure things are done to standards, right? But that's what systems are, and processes are for, right? Absolutely. So if you create systems and processes that are solid, they serve as the management. And then after that, like you might have that person that's responsible for making sure that everything's met to standard after the checklist has been completed and there has to be that person. But why not, why not have pure reviews? Why not have pure cross-checking? Like why not have a team of leaders? And again, that comes back to what I mentioned earlier and it's my company too. Tom Walter calls it an entangled organization where everybody, you create that, that structure where everybody keeps track of everybody in has a voice and has that autonomy like what we're talking about. Yeah, you mentioned like uh, if everybody treated this place as if they were owner, um, that uh, when you do that, uh, if you're on the line and you're, you're garnishing food or you're building a, whatever dish you're building um, or you're um, choosing to throw away something or whatever it may be, like you're looking at it from a different perspective. You're, you're looking at it, this is, this is costing me money. And uh, if you have everybody acting like an owner and they really treat it that way, um, then they start looking at it from like, hey, you know, look at your look at your bank account, right? So if you have X dollars amount in it, um, how are you going to operate that month? How are you going to operate that week? You so know, are you doing open book management? Uh, we are not. Okay. We are not. Is that something you want to do? Um, 
maybe down the line. <laughs> uh, and, and and I'm familiar with that. So like Zingerman's Restaurant Group yeah. is uh, is a uh, uh, a um, I love Zingerman's. Uh, I, I I believe in a, um, almost uh, I, I believe in 100 percent of what Zingerman's doing. It works. And yeah. They are the anarchist of of uh, restaurants, and uh, <laughs> you know he. Um, he actually has like the largest anarchist collection of uh, books. books. Yeah, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love his work too. So before we get started today, I asked you: Is there anything you want to make sure or you want to talk about? Something I need to bring to the table. Um, and you said people move. Why people? What what? Do you, people move is what you told me. Oh yeah, you want to I talk mean, about I, people I, moving? What I do mean, you mean I, by that? I, I uh, you know, it's just something that that I've um, that's I guess on on my plate now is that. Um, just noticing that people like bounce around and like what causes that you know just like going through a resume today it's like um, three months here four months here six months here going back to the other restaurant for four months then going to another restaurant on his resume going back it's just you know it's something that I've never really been a part of and uh, I never really experienced in the Midwest where I got my foundation in restaurants Um, and so uh, being out here on the East Coast, especially in, in on the Seacoast in Portsmouth, is that um, I think our labor market's a lot different, and uh, I think that has to do a lot with uh, immigration, um, and um, specifically to Madison, uh, uh, we just lost uh, one of our our chefs of our restaurant group to uh, ICE. Uh, he got taken out of uh, one of our restaurants. So, oh man! Uh, he's got four four children that are U.S. citizens. His wife is here. Um, one of our key employees is uh, is. Sitting. So when I asked you earlier if, if the the chef that started here is the same chef that's here now, that's the story. That is not the story. Oh, uh, I'm talking. About, I'm going back to Madison. Like, oh, so I'm, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm comparing labor markets to uh, from Madison to uh, Portsmouth, and okay. uh, in Madison uh, we were able to. Um, we could always have we could we could staff our kitchens um, tenfold. I think it was also a product of the time. I mean, I think that story held true to a lot of people, regardless of geographic in the nation. There just seemed to be more people 10 years ago than there are now, regardless of where you are now. In my experience, traveling to all these cities in the past year, like it's a problem everywhere. Um, and to your point, as people move, yeah, like, well, I'm curious when you said you notice that people jump around, is it within the same city or like yeah, all over yeah, the place? I, 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 yeah, same city, same, uh, you know, um, you know, Portsmouth, Dover, um, so Kittery. what do you think the solution is? Uh, what, what, what's going on? Do you, do you just accept that people move or what are you thinking? Um, I mean, I try to flip it you know, I, I try to, I can only do the best that I can do, and I think we can only do the best that we can do by providing a um, a competitive um, place to work. And so, so we we offer a four hundred one k plan for every full time employee here. So you make it to you make it so they don't want to move because it, like why would you like I'd be crazy to move absolutely yeah. like you know and and I I want to hold on to people. I want people to be proud to work where they are. Yeah, I don't want people who are working and not want to be there. Yeah, and, and and so some of our some of our benefits that uh, we're really proud of we 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 have two restaurants and uh, we offer a four hundred one k to every full time employee um, and I think for a what I would consider a you know um, a small operation you know this is the second uh, restaurant uh, cornerstone Portsmouth um, they've offered a four hundred one k since they've opened and so you think about single single unit uh, restaurants that are opening up you know, that's that's uh, i think an anomaly and uh you know john and mike are taking care of the people who are trying to make them money mm-hmm. um and uh make cornerstone a staple in in the community yeah um i kind of want to dive deeper into this whole idea of people move right sure um why do you think that is i don't know um i have some thoughts i mean you see you, i mean you see <laughs> i mean I, I think about myself when i was uh when I was 25, uh, so I, I left Houston, uh, Beaumont, S- Southeast Texas, and uh, went up to um, uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, um, you know spent my time in Flagstaff, and then went to, back to Texas, and then left there and went to but Missoula. How long were you in these areas? Uh, I I uh, I say I lived in Flagstaff. My wife says I did not live in Flagstaff, but I actually had a job in Flagstaff, <laughs> so I collected uh, income there. So. 
Um, I, I think on and off, I was in Flagstaff for maybe a little bit over a year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the... Sorry, did I cut you short? Yeah, no worries. So, one of the big things I've learned that is if you take a job in this industry, do it for at least a year. I think that seems to be the industry standard. Give me a year. I'm giving you knowledge. I'm giving you my time to train you. That all costs money. Give me a year. Um, I think that's a really good standard. So what I guess the point that I'm trying to make is be really intentional about where you go. If you're listening to this and you're a general manager or a lines employee or just a general staff member, it's your market right now. You can be picky. Everybody needs good people. So do your homework. Interview at least 10 restaurants and go at the place that is going to teach you what you want. Like the things they're doing, things that you're interested in are going to teach you the things that you're interested in and give them a year. You know, it's good that you get around because that's how you find your, your niche. You find your path by getting experience from different places, getting different perspectives. I, I think that's good. But you got to think about what they're investing in you and you give them at least a year is one, I think, one standard industry standard. The other thing, I think we also need to accept that we're a little responsible for what's going on in the industry right now. Because when you think about it, we've really created a transactional society in a job is just a job. Give me my paycheck and I showed up to work. I've held up my end of the deal and it stops there. Um, and I think a lot of that becomes down to the increase in corporate presence of people taking jobs and there's no sense of uh, relationship there. It's like, it, it, am I wrong in thinking that? No, I, I, I think it's a combination of many things. I think um, it's a, uh there's a uh, Portsmouth. We have a uh, we have a lot of restaurants that are that open and close, and there's um, I, I think the market here, um, especially with like the J one program here, um, there weren't a lot of J one uh, visas issued uh, last year. There were there were restaurants on the seacoast that um, had been open for forty years that were actually never able to open um, because they weren't able to secure their J one visas for that season, um, and they closed. Um, and that's due to what's going on right now in, in the, uh, in the, uh, Trump administration. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's staff retention is, is huge, especially for small business. Uh, the, the, the cost that, that is, um, attached to a hourly line work worker. Um, if they, if we hire them and they leave and they walk, um, that impacts us at roughly uh, $4,000. And so that's taking um, all, the, all the training time going into training them, all the administrative work going into putting in their paperwork. Uh, it's going into payroll. Um, and then it's also going into um, how are they impacting our guests when they come yeah. in. You, this Sharing what you just share with us, $4,000 to get somebody on board and going, $4,000. Uh, something that Zappos does, I, th- I think it's Tony Shea. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong company. No, I, yep. Tony Shea. Um, but what they do is they offer their people like a thousand dollars, like after the first week to go, I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars today to never come back because they look at it and say, if you leave right now, we're still going to be doing way better than if a month from now, after we give you even more time and energy, if you leave, then we've invested $4,000. So I'd rather give you a thousand dollars now to save a thousand dollars in a month. What do you think of that? Uh, so I, I've got some like hard knock life here. You know, so, so I, I can bring this back to a, a gentleman by the name of Matt Finale. Uh, I worked with him at Food Fight. Uh, he uh, was a server there at Tech Steps Taco Palace for uh, many years. Uh, he was one of my main trainers. And his one word of advice to everybody he trained, he was the first person that every new hire saw. He welcomed them there. Uh, he could be looked at as an intimidating man, uh, total like uh, death metal, uh, bald head, big guy, like burly, but he's like the sweetest teddy bear. Um, his his word of wisdom to every person that stepped foot in there is, um, Patrick will do anything for you, um, but if you screw up, he'll fire you. <laughs> and and when, when we talk about screwing up, it's not like, hey, I rang in the wrong item. I rang in this. It's like... I ate croutons in the walk-in with some dressing. I did get fired for that. <laughs> Listen uh, to episode thank, 322. <laughs> thank you for uh, bringing that up. Yep. Uh, so uh, it's, 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 uh, um, it's just people not, not giving a damn, right? And yeah. so it's like people who aren't like looking at this as uh, 
in the guest perspective. Yeah. If you don't yeah. want to be here, see ya. Yeah. I love this conversation. Um, and just to kind of come full circle on the, the point that I was trying to make earlier, uh, we live in increasingly in a transactional society. But that society, that culture that exists today is a product of what we've created. So if we want it to change, right, uh, we need to start changing how we treat people. We need to make it less transactional uh, and start caring about people and making it personal and being present. And care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we get what we put in, you know, and I, I feel like the, the mission statement of this podcast is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And when I think of the word transform, I think of transforming our, the way we interact with each other, right, and the values that we have. And uh, I think we need to swallow that pill a little bit. And I, and I think that uh, that's the one thing that Zingerman's always brings back to the picture. And I, I really... I really wish everybody who's in the in the hospitality business can uh, um, check out Zingerman's. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I past guest on the show. By the way, Ari's winds up winds wag. Ari winds wag past guest on the show, and uh, he's got like five or six books out there. Uh, they all start with a, yeah. a lapsed anarchist approach too. If you search that on Amazon, you should find them. I can link to them in the show notes as well. If you're interested, head over to restaurantstoppable.com/slash/five-thirty-eight. I believe this is episode five-thirty-eight. Um, I'll correct myself in the uh, closing thoughts if I'm wrong, but uh, any final thoughts, any last things you want to get out before we say goodbye and uh, wrap things up? You know, I, I, I think uh, um, promote a uh, positive uh, work work environment. Be yourself. Be genuine. Um, if, you, uh, if you screw up, own it. Um, and use the restaurant as a platform to um, be a part of the community. And uh, I, I think when, you, when you're a part of the community, when you're truly rooted in the community they yes, support you absolutely um, well i'm excited for you and your new opportunity here at cornerstone pizza and craft beer uh it's always a pleasure west end <laughs> it's always a pleasure talking to you uh and I'm, I'm excited for this new approach of going deeper how do you think today's conversation went do you think i'm on the right path here yeah no i, I think it's great i think it uh i felt a little bit more at ease uh on this conversation than the previous conversation uh you in know, person this time last person, time it was over the phone it was over the phone on uh, block six patio this one's uh in this beautiful bar at uh, Cornerstone uh, West End, uh, uh, surrounded by the, so the the history behind this building is uh, it was the original Frank Jones Brewery, mm. um, uh, one of the largest breweries on the East Coast. How appropriate! Um, and then uh, it changed to the Shield Hot Dog Factory, and now we are uh, there hot dogs on the there are hot dogs hot dogs in this building. <laughs> Uh, and now, you know, I, I truly believe we're making some of the best pizza on the seacoast. It's delicious, man. I just I had my second pizza uh, of, since not today. <laughs> but since I've known of this location, and it is delicious. You guys do it right. Uh, even the flies like it. I'm going to try to get them off real quick. It is a season uh, with the outdoors. It is, it is the fly season. I was going to dirty look. He's like, what are you trying to do to me, man? I'm, I'm leaving that because it's kind of funny. But I'm um, sorry, dude. <laughs> I think on that note, we can say goodbye. Uh, is there any uh, way we can connect with you if any of the listeners who are, who are tuning into this uh, are <laughs> interested in, in picking up the conversation? Maybe they have questions about nonprofits uh, in case they're looking to do that. Maybe you can give them some advice. Yeah, absolutely. I can always be reached at uh, if, you, uh, if you look up Cornerstone uh, West End in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, I am always available um, to uh, answer any questions. Uh, and you can also get a hold of this uh, rad guy in front of me. Um, and he can put you uh, in contact with me. Yes, I'd love to do that. Uh, okay, well, that's it. Like always, i got to say, it, there is no questioning. Patrick Patterson, you are unstoppable. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Patrick Patterson dropping bombs of knowledge leaving some great advice for us today. And I think the big takeaway for me today is this idea of, uh, you know, well, first there were some great advice and recommendations on uh, operating in a nonprofit. Some things I learned today for sure, but also this idea of just selflessness. Uh, He walked away from that operation. He fired himself to support the rest of the team. And he knew that this is what it would take for the, the good of everybody. And when you do things in a way that are selfless in the moment, it might really suck, but in the long run, it almost always pays off. And I think that Patrick is a great example of that. Uh, I love my conversation with him today. And in the past, again, head over to restaurant slash 
322 if you want to listen to the original conversation. And if you want to uh, check out some of the notes from today's conversation, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash three, sorry, slash five, three, eight. I'll have a summary of today's talk over there, as well as I'll link to some of Ari Weinswag's books. If you guys are interested in checking out some of his stuff, uh, really great work that he does. And um, I think that's all for today, guys. Uh, let me know what you thought of today's chat uh, in this direction. I want to bring the show. Not every conversation is going to be uh, a conversation with somebody from the past, but I really do believe in this idea of going deep uh, in building on relationships that already exist instead of being so transactional. And I think that's one key to success is really putting time and effort into the relationships you have and growing those relationships uh, instead of going out to try to make new ones. Um, and and if I believe in that, then I, I need to start acting on it. And that's what I'm trying to do here with the show is to really go deeper, uh, to, to pull back layers and to um, make an impact with the people in my network. And hopefully you guys benefit from that. So uh, let me know what you thought of today's conversation and what you thought of uh, what you think of this direction. And um, yeah, I love your feedback. So uh, that's all for today. Uh, Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. And until next time, peace out.